Hello and welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly podcast with April Lee Janes and Jessica Outram. question of what are some ways to build creative confidence? We're going to be looking at a famous TED talk by David Kelly and thinking about some of his key messages and how they look through our lens and then talk about what works for us in terms of building creative confidence. I was really excited when you sent me the link to this TED talk because we had talked so much about fear in a, in a previous episode. It was really nice to have this antidote kind of to it. What are the positive things? What are the, what are ways we can get ourselves out of fear? I think sometimes we feel like we are trapped in fear, like there's nothing that we can do to, to shift that. And David Kelly presented some great ideas. And when I thought about them in my own experience, I could see how they worked. So I'm excited to get into this a little bit deeper. Awesome. Me too. And you know, when we had done our episode on fear, we started off camera or off audio talking a little bit about what is that flip side. And we thought a little bit about, you know, how could we phrase that? What is the, really the question that we're looking for here? Because we talked a little bit about the flip side of fear, thinking in terms of abundance thinking, is it in terms of looking at gratitude? And then we really landed on this idea of creative confidence. So I Googled it because I always do. I, I love to research and I literally took our question that we wanted to focus on today and I Googled it and this is his Ted talk came up first and I was just thrilled because it is a perfect fit for what we wanted to talk about. It expanded my thinking in terms of where I wanted to go with this question. So what were your first impressions when you watched the TED Talk? So for listeners, we just both watched this for the first time yesterday. Today we're, we're, we're talking about it. So this is all really fresh and we'll be sure to post on hummingbirdpodcast.com a link so that you can watch it too. It's 11 minutes long and it's a TED Talk by David Kelly. So April, what were your first impressions? First off, I had a lot of the same questions you did. So I'm glad you kind of, in looking at what we're going to talk about today, you answered those questions like, who the heck is this guy? And what is D-School? The first time I read it, I thought it was a, a typo in the in the little article that accompanied it. Then I just really, I loved what he had to say because I have seen this happen over and over again. People walk into a room, they start to get into something that pushes them into a more creative area and they they disappear. They just walk out. They say, I'm not creative. And he saw this happening over and over again. I think the two pieces that really uh, touched me was when he talked about the, the creative solution that the fellow with the MRI machine came up with. And for those who haven't watched this video, he... I guess he was the inventor of the MRI machine, or I'm not really sure he engineered it or something. And he went to this hospital and discovered that children going into it, 80% of them had to be sedated. And he was horrified. And he came up with this, I wanted to get into that MRI machine. He painted it up like a whole pirate ship thing. And they show a picture of it real quick on the video. I wish they had shown more of it. And he made it a pirate adventure for the kids to the point where they flipped those numbers only 10% of the kids had to be sedated before they had an MRI. And I thought, what a wonderfully creative, fun solution to a problem that he wasn't even aware of up to that point. So I just loved how Kelly brought these out in these examples and how creativity can be applied to more than just the arts. We talk about the arts here, but it was his topic was way bigger than the arts. I'm gonna turn it back to you for what you felt when you, when you watched that video. 
You know, I think along the same lines of you and that ability for creativity to touch everything in every area of our lives, and even the things we don't think about, like an MRI machine and innovations in medicine, or even it had me thinking of innovations within my own field of education. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in the arts because that's how I quote unquote feel most creative that I forget about the whole world of innovation. When I was watching it, I'm like, who is this guy, David Kelly? And at first I wondered if he was the same guy who is like the screenwriter. There's a David R. Kelly, who's a famous script writer in television, but no, this is a different guy. And so I Googled him and he really is a guru in the world of innovation beyond arts. He's really embedded in this world of design and he's the founder of the global design and innovation company called IDEO, I-D-E-O. And he also founded Stanford University's Hasso Plattner Institute of Design. That's also known as the D School. Then I'm like, well, what is the D School? I feel like I've heard of this school before. I had. In the fall, I was doing some research because I felt that as an educator coming into this new world of the pandemic, that this is both a challenge, but it's also an opportunity for innovation. It's an opportunity for us to relook at education through different eyes, see what's working, see what needs to be changed, and really transform. Like we're, This isn't just a blip in, in the decade. This is a historical moment where big changes are going to come out of it. And we are going to see education, and because that's the world that I know, in a different way than we've ever seen it before. So I had done some research because I subscribe to the Stanford Social Innovation Review, which is a wonderful magazine that's mostly for people who work in the nonprofit sector. But I love it because they bring a really innovative research-based approach to looking at social problems in the world. And when you think about a school, really what a school is, it's a it's a microcosm of a larger community, of a larger world. And it's that little, little bit. So my little school is like my own little, you know, social place to navigate and impact. In when I was reading some of those pieces about it. And I went back, I went, right. So this D school is really an innovative school that's connected to Stanford that helps people develop their creative ideas. And it's got a community, it's a place, it's a mindset. So it's not just the building. It's got a whole different way of looking at how we can explore and experiment. They have an amazing guide and I had read it cover to cover. I sent it off to some superintendents that I report to and was really excited about it in our our own teaching and learning department because their guide to reimagining higher education has so many interesting ideas that we can apply to elementary and high school education here. Just to share some of them with you because I was so excited, April, and, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's like all these pieces are coming together. It all came from Googling the question, how do I build creative confidence? But they re-looked at education And one of the ideas is at the African Leadership University in Rwanda and Maratuius, sorry if I've mispronounced that, they declare mission. Mauritius, I think. Mauritius, thank you. Yeah. Uh, They declare missions and not majors. So instead of saying, you know, like I was an English cultural studies major, you instead you 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 come up with what is your mission and maybe that's your question or something that you want to learn. And then you you individually build your course of study around that. 
somebody else isn't telling you that to be an English major, you need to have, for example, a course from each of these time periods. You need to take this one in foundations. They flipped it so that the student is at the center and they declare their own mission. And based on their mission, they build their own course of study and pick and choose from what's offered to help suit that. I thought that was really cool. That would be so exciting because then you could say, here's the difference I want to make in the world. Now, what do I need to know to do it? Right. And that's the whole point of education, right? So they've really dug into the why behind education instead of looking at the how do we educate. It's the why are we even here in the first place? We're going to talk about that a little bit in the next episode about uh, building a creative business. So that was that's exciting to hear that. Yeah, some overlaps, right? And then they they talked to you about this open loop university where they proposed a transition from a four-year model to lifelong learning. So instead of, you know, you go and you have your three or four-year degree, instead of having that, they would give you, these are your courses that you would take, for example, however many courses that is, you have your lifetime now that you can take that money or take that investment into your tuition and you can use it at any point over your lifetime time. So learning doesn't have to begin and end with the start and stop of a bachelor's program. It's how can we shift to this lifelong learning? And I know now if I were to win the lottery, I would a hundred percent go back to school because I feel that as I get older, I recognize how much more there is for me to learn. I knew everything when I was in my twenties, but now (laughs) I know nothing. (laughs) So I was really excited about uh, this guy, David Kelly up there. And he's a very unassuming kind of guy. And he's just talking like, you know, someone you might meet in line at Tim Hortons. And he, he, this whole world and this, this way that he's sparked changes. And like he said, it's not just a place, it's a mindset. And I'm sure that that, that leaks out into lots of different things. Well, you have a quote here that I wanted to even talk about, because this even came up yesterday for me. You have a quote here that I really wanted to bring up because this came up for me yesterday. Don't divide the world into the creatives and the non-creatives because we can all create. And we've talked about that before. And people don't realize this, but, but I also do corporate training and I do a training program that helps you understand the four personality styles and how they communicate and relate to each other in order to make teams work together better. And so I had a call yesterday with a leadership team one of the fellows on it was saying, well, I'm not very creative because we were talking about one of the, the colors being quite creative and another one being innovative. He's, I'm not very creative. And one of the other fellows stopped him and said, but look at your gardens. That, those are so creative. And so we got talking about the different ways we express our creativity. It comes up everywhere in all kinds of conversations and people there's almost a sadness when they say it. Well, I'm not very creative. Like there's something that they're missing some secret society that the rest of us belong to or something. And the truth is we're all there. We just have to see how we express ourselves. And we also need to get past these fears that uh, David Kelly was talking about. Well, and I just think that like in these times, everybody in every industry, because of how unpredictable it is, and even people who, who are not working or who may be retired or have other life circumstances, every one of us in the world because this is a global pandemic, is having to be creative in how we spend our time and how we reorganize our schedules and how we connect with our loved ones. We're having to problem solve and innovate to create new solutions 
for things that we took for granted. And I think that we're going to continue to see this big burst in creativity in, in times to over like the next, you know, couple years. We may, we may even be on the cusp of like a new renaissance. I wouldn't surprise. Well, we're, I love the fact that you called it problem solving because that's what we've had to do, right? We've had to look at, okay, I can't do my business this way. Let me find a new way to do it. I can't teach my class the original way. We need to find another way to do it. We've seen it in the health system here in Nova Scotia, the, the big changes that were forced, but have made it better for everyone. And I think as human beings, often that's what happens. We don't do something until we have to do it because we're comfortable with the way it was. I think that's part of the problem with the fear. We're not uncomfortable enough to sometimes move away from it until maybe sometimes it's too late, right? We realize if I'd only made a different choice, I would have had a, I could have been doing something different. Even this last week, you and I were talking about Pixar and Disney. And we all said, boy, if we had our life back, we'd be working for Disney, right? You know, <laughs> if we knew some of those things, that's the kind of thing we could do, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I have a confession, April. So today while I was having my morning coffee, I, I, I snuck onto the Pixar website and clicked on careers just for fun, just to see, well, what would they say there? I was instantly intimidated and moved on, but because uh, I, I have no experience as an animator. And I thought, well, what would I... I do at Pixar, but <laughs> there are these, these leading edge. And I would think there's one in every field, right? Like Stanford's doing some really interesting things in terms of post-secondary education. Pixar's doing some incredible things in terms of looking at storytelling. And every field has those people that we can look to and go, wow, like that's just incredible how they do that. But when you really unpack what it is that they did, it all links to the ideas that Kelly was explaining. And I, I saw evidence of this whenever I go under and look into the process of someone, they're looking through those same things. And so he talked about the fear of judgment, guided mastery, the importance of empathy, and then the importance of regaining any lost creative confidence. When he told the story of his little friend there in third grade who was making a horse out of clay and the, the girl opposite him said, well, that doesn't look like a horse. And he kind of smashed it up and threw it back in the box. My heart broke for that child. And I wonder what, you know, could he have become one of the Pixar people or something if we just were kinder to each other? You know, we didn't judge so quickly. And yet that's who we are as human beings. And we've all had those experiences where someone has judged us. So when I was listening to Kelly, I really heard what he was talking about on a very personal level because I was seeing my growth, gra very gradual growth, moving from fear to confidence. I had a lot of criticism as a child from people that meant a lot in my life. And, you know, if you took it all the way back to my fear of even sketching in public, I had a horrible fear of that. I wouldn't do it. The way I moved past it was I had a wonderful coach who said, go out into public and sit somewhere where no one can go behind you to see what you're doing and just build a little confidence in sketching that way. And then when I was comfortable with that, I moved into a spot where someone could conceivably walk behind me if they wanted to, just gradually built up that confidence. When you and I took the painting workshop with Karen, I was still in a state of fear. There were a lot of workshops I did not take because I would get up to them and my fear would stop me and I'd find some wonderfully reasonable excuse about why I couldn't go and then I wouldn't go. But I built that in baby steps, that confidence to move forward. And I wrote to you this week, because I was really celebrating, there's a new gallery opening in my area. And when you think back to the fact I wouldn't sketch in public to this, I, I, I wrote to you and I said, I touched the snake. It's in my lap, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, 
I am now a resident artist at a new gallery that's opening up nearby. But if you'd asked me to do that 20, 25 years ago, I would have just gone into a fetal ball on the floor because I would have been so terrified. So when he talks about that, doing that little bit that just pushes into the fear enough, get make us feel a little nervous. All that does is it pushes that boundary back that tiny bit. So the next time you can step a little further forward. And it took me a while. Very excited about what's going, what the next step is. And I hadn't even thought about that journey until I watched this video. And then, then I thought, wow, you know, I could not have done this, you know, 20, 25 years ago. It would never have happened a million, you know, the, back then. I, well, I, I love fully that. am on board what he says. <laughs> I, I just love your big news and I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. This is huge. And this is, you know, many small successes along the way that have led to this big one. And it's it's a whole new world of, of engaging and connecting with an audience and, and putting yourself out there. And I think we're going to have fun talking about it as, as it unfolds in the upcoming months. I hope that you'll, yeah, I hope that you'll keep us yeah. updated on kind of what your your experience is of making that shift to to this this big deal this is really great I was just gonna say I'm just really excited versus being terrified and I don't have words to express how wonderful that feels to me and I, like I said if you hadn't shared the the David Kelly uh, TED talk I don't think I would have even taken the time to think about that and that's another big thing I think we need to do to help us overcome the fear is celebrate the successes you know, even if it's a small success, like sketching in public when, you know, I couldn't do that before, or, you know, you, you try something new and it works or it doesn't work. You celebrate that success. And I think that's part of this, that guided mastery that he talks about. I was talking to my aunt on the weekend and um, her name is Pat Skeen and she's a writer. So she goes, she lives in Oakville and she goes for walks along the lake every day. And somebody has been leaving behind the most incredible painted rocks with little inspiring messages on them. So she wrote to the local paper. She sent them an email saying, these are just the best. Over the last year, I've collected over 200 pictures of these rocks on my walks. Somebody should come down and do a story on them. The editor wrote her back and said, well, you should write it. So my aunt ended up writing the story. And now that has led through a series of conversations to her now having a monthly column of short stories that's going to be in his publication. And she was reminding me that when she lived in Coburg, that when she was first starting out with her writing and she had transitioned from, you know, working in, uh, in a bank to retiring and then really putting that full-time energy into the writing. She started with writing children's stories and she had a regular column in our local paper here. So what she did was she would release these stories in, in a smaller way to a local community and get that feedback. She would visit some schools and then she was able to take those stories and then have them published through Orca into these little books. And she was talking about about what a valuable experience that was is to take something that's in pieces and to send it out into the world and then when you're done to put it together and that feeling of success that building on those small pieces to get that one big one and now she's got some books that are out there I think that new writers in particular um well and and, and any arts we just feel I'm going to just talk through the lens of a writer because that's who I am but we we feel so vulnerable when we're sharing our work and it can be really helpful to start with just you know when you're starting out share with one person from there you might feel confident to do 
an open mic reading and try with an audience that you either know or you don't know. And then you might feel like, you know what, I think I'm going to submit this poem to this call for submissions. And I'm going to try that out. And then over time, you put yourself out there slowly to where you get to the point where for with me, I'm now working on uh, a, a poetry book of poems and I'm really excited about it and I go through this whole wave of fear the guided mastery that empathy I go through this cycle probably every month and so it's not like you get through one and it stops I find I'm constantly uh, moving through the through the different pieces because I've and 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 that touching the snake and working on the edge of fear I think that that's where the good stuff is. When I was watching on, uh, cause I was, I was texting you this week because I got hooked on the documentary series called Inside Pixar, where they look at a different person that has a different position. So they looked at someone who does animation, someone who lights the animations, someone who does the character design, the musicians. And they had a, one, there was about 14 of them, one for everybody you know, not maybe everybody, but most of the people there. When the writer of Onward was featured, he told a story about his process of trying to figure out how he, what he wanted to write about. And he shows this great big wall that's like a big cork wall. He's putting up on cue cards, all the big milestones and important moments in his own life to start from. Somebody came in and said to him, well, don't, do you want to put like a sheet over it and cover that? Cause it was very personal. And he said, no, 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 I'm fine. And then he says, but then at the end of the day, he was leaving And he took two of the recipe cards and flipped them over so people couldn't see what was on it. And then, you know, beat, beat, pause, pause. That's the movie. That's the story. This is the nugget because this is the thing that I'm hiding from my colleagues and my peers. This is what I know. Now I have to go into this. And that created the story of Onward based on his own life. And I just thought that was such a powerful anecdote about process and the rewards that can come from working on the edge of fear. And that's really what noticing where that edge is and pushing into it, because honestly, if you're not feeling a little nervous, you're staying in your comfort zone, which means you've already mastered that. And there's no, no harm in resting in that comfort zone every, you know, and, and building a little bit of momentum. But if you don't eventually poke out and see where the next edge is for yourself, you're never going to grow in your art or your innovative or, or your life or whatever else you do. You're just repeating the same things every time. When I feel a bit stronger, I can take bigger pokes. But sometimes if all I can manage is a tiny one, then I have to have empathy for myself about that and, and allow myself just that tiny push. Like Kelly's story of his friend, I hope somewhere along the way that child, even if he looks like an adult now, found some encouragement and pushed back a little bit against that judgment because it's everywhere. I mean, marketing thrives on it. It, you know, we, we don't smell good enough. We don't look good enough. We, our teeth aren't white enough, whatever it is around us, we've picked up that judgment kind of mindset and it's easy to put it out there to other people. And I think the other thing where that comes from that fear that we of being judged happens because we often go to the people we care the most about because we value their opinions. We go to family and friends and we say, what do you think? And sometimes in perfect kindness, they try to guide us into a little different area or other times jealousy happens. They're not following their own dreams. And so they're going to squash somebody else's. There's all kinds of reasons it happens. But when we care about someone's opinion, when they give it, it hurts and goes deeper. 
And so I think that that's where uh, why judgment sticks so hard to us sometimes, that fear of judgment sticks so hard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I just can't help but think I'm getting excited as you talk because in that Inside Pixar series, the, there was a musician that was featured. What he did is when, I guess, how they write a Pixar film is they do it, at, they write the story as they go and they try everything out as they go. So his job is to do test music. So he creates sound effects and music that are never actually used in the film. They're just for the director to have a sense of the mood, what that relationship is going to be like between the image and the sound. And so he talks about how he has the chance to play every day and realizes he can begin again tomorrow. And it really opened up his process because it took judgment right out of it. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad because it just is. We're just trying stuff out here. And I thought to me, that's the answer to how do we overcome judgment is we have to surrender. We have to let go and we have to realize tomorrow's another day. Or in the wise wisdom of Ted Lasso, I binge watched Ted Lasso on the weekend. Oh my God, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. You can be a goldfish, right? Goldfish has the shortest memory. So, you know, you have a day, you go to a place, it isn't what you wanted, be a goldfish, move on, create something new tomorrow. And don't let that be the thing that prevents you from creating. <laughs> I, I, and I was thinking about what we talked about, create a canton or 10 rules, right? It's, you know, it just keep on doing it. It's nothing's a mistake. Nothing's the end of the world. And I think that's another thing. We think that if we mess up, it's the end of the world and it's not. Like you said, you just go on, you try again. I have high hopes for the younger generation, the, the ones that like to play the video games, because that's how their brains are being wired. They go in, they try something, they get killed in the video game and they start again. They've learned something not to do. And their brains are wired very differently. I read a, a really interesting white paper talk about education, um, how the, the difference in pupils coming in these days because of the video game culture they are thinking differently than their older teachers who see everything as either or black or white. And the younger generation is coming up and saying, okay, I just found one way not to do it. What else can I try? And it's a different kind of mindset. So that I think is also a part of that guided mastery that we're talking it's a, about. It's here. an exciting time, isn't it, April? Everything is changing mm -hmm. so fast and it's hard to know what tomorrow will bring. And I love it. I love, yeah. I love that. And I really hope that what comes out of all of these innovations that we're finding again in every industry is that we do land on more people building their creative confidence. I loved at the end of the TED talk when David Kelly said, you know, after he, he talks about how he went through cancer treatment and that, you know, when you're sitting there, you think a lot about your impact, right? And your purpose. And if he made it out, which he did, of course, because he's doing the TED talk. I thought everyone <laughs> applauded him when he said, and I'm still here. <laughs> but I love that he said, you know, the thing that I most wanted to do if I get out of this is to help as many people as possible regain the creative confidence that they lost along the way. That I just, it gave me goosebumps everywhere because it resonated so strongly because that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is too, is we, mm -hmm. that's what kind of got us started. And we didn't really quite put it in those words, but we, we really, that belief that everybody can create and let's talk about creativity. Let's talk about what scares us. Let's talk about what inspires us. The more that we do that, I think the more it will grow and it will build. You know, it sounds like a small thing. And I agree with you. As soon as he said that, I recognized, oh, that's what we're doing. 
That's what we're trying to do is help people rebuild this confidence in their ability to find creative solutions. It's the only thing that's going to save our world these days. We need creative solutions to some really big problems out there. If people can start regaining that ability to put it out there when they come up with a creative idea, to look at things a little bit differently, we've got hope for the future. And wow, that, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when we think about how do we build confidence in students in school, it's no different than how we can build confidence in adults. We're not talking to students about, you know, oh my gosh, that paragraph you wrote is just so perfect. Well done. It's you worked really hard on that. I could see that you, you gathered your ideas first, you organized them in a very particular way, and then you used some good connectors to bring the audience along to help me understand what it is that you were thinking. So I think we need to do that more with our, our writing friends, our artist friends, and people who are trying to put themselves out there. You know, it's it's not about how amazing the art looks necessarily. It's the fact that, you know, you've got the gallery that you've put the work in and that you're, you're, you're trying something new. So let's celebrate the perseverance, the determination, the risk-taking, the problem-solving, the, the skills that underline all of that, because that's what helps us grow and change. The poem doesn't necessarily do that for me. It's my approach and all those lessons that I bring into the poem. And we've talked about this before. It's the process that's creative, not the product. It's that, that process that we go through doing these things. I just look forward to, I know when we got into COVID, everybody was, oh, it's COVID. We're all locked up and we're home and everything. But the longer we're here, yes, we all want to get back to normal and, and doing a few things. But I just see people coming up with such creative solutions to things that we might not have come up with. And I think we can use that as an example of how to move forward into the future. Let's have some confidence in our ability to take some risks. Let's not be afraid of change, which I see happen so often. People are, I think that's part of it. People are just terrified of change. There's a great movie and maybe we should put it into um, the playlist and my kids crack up over it. It's called The Crudes. It's an animated movie. The, the story is about the father who doesn't want to change anything that they're, they're cavemen, right? And he's being forced to change because the world is breaking apart. But he tells these stories like, well, and then they went here and they all died. And, and the kids just kind of crack up about that. But that's the fear that we have when we won't move forward. We're afraid we're going to die. We're afraid it's going to be life-threatening. We have to really step back. Remember, most things are not life-threatening. And if they are, then you're right to be scared. But 99% of the time, it's not life-threatening. We just need to build the capacity to let ourselves move forward a little further than we're comfortable with. I love it. Well, I'm hoping that after today, our listeners will reflect on their own creative confidence and where it's at and what a good next step is. And remembering that it doesn't have to be a big step. Just taking small steps is, is really the best way to go. And uh, we've got a playlist for you to help you reflect and go deeper into these ideas. And the first thing on it is David Kelly's TED Talk so that you can have a look at it and check it out yourself. I also put a link there for the D Schools Uncharted Territory, a guide to reimagining higher education, just because I spoke quite a bit about it and other educators who might be listening or other curious people might like to have a look. It is truly innovative and it can really help us rethink the ways that we're, we're building education. 
I added a link there to the series Inside Pixar, uh, which I highly recommend. It really goes deeply into creative process, everything from working collaboratively to how to generate ideas to even just the how to sustain a project over time. There was one animator who spoke about how he's worked there for 20 years and he's worked full time, eight hours a day for 20 years, and he's contributed it in that time. And this is typical, 45 minutes of footage in Pixar movies. You know, you can make a contribution and, and that's a huge contribution in the animation world. But to my my world, I was like, wow, 20 years and 45 minutes. But there's just that much effort that goes into every minute of creating that type of a, a work and storytelling. Finally, for our writers in the crowd, if you're looking for a place to start, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott is a wonderful classic text for, for writers. And it really is just that idea of one step at a time, building on small successes and, and just writing your way through the world, bird by bird. I'm going to put in, well, I don't know if there's a link, but I would suggest going out and doing a search, Netflix or somebody I'm sure has this movie called The Croods, C-R-O-O-D-S. And it's, a, again, it's a story about fear holding you back and being forced into finding some creative solutions and the power that comes from that. And honestly, when you can push past a little bit of your fear, you do begin to feel much more powerful. It builds on itself. The other thing I would suggest that you look up, and I'm going to see if I can find a couple of links to add to our playlist, is something on neuro-linguistic programming. And you'll often see it's just called NLP. I worked with an NLP practitioner when, and she was the one that helped me get out of this fear of sketching in public and things. And it's a way of learning to change the way you talk to yourself to help yourself move forward on these things. Because a lot of it is our internal language that is holding us back. And if we can shift that, then we can shift the, the fear and build the confidence. So NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, if you can find a good practitioner of that, um, I highly recommend having a look at that as, as well. Awesome. And what's up next week? Well, next week, we're going to start talking about how do you build or how do you start a creative business. We're not going to talk about all business because we're going to take a little bit of it. Uh, I think once a month is what we talked about. We'll talk about building a creative business because not everybody wants to build a business from their creative efforts, but some of you do. And I am a business coach as well. So we just thought this might be a good thing to add in to help people understand where to, where to start and how to get their feet wet to do a little bit of this. So that's next week. Awesome. Can't wait. We'll see you then. Hi, everybody. April here at the end of this episode on confidence. I really want to encourage you this week to take a few minutes and listen to that TED Talk that we presented. The link is in our uh, playlist in our WordPress site. And because it's not a very long talk, but he has so much food for thought in there. I know I left thinking a lot about this idea of confidence and how it looks different in different parts of your journey. So when you get done listening to the TED Talk, I'd really encourage you to then sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and jot down some ideas of what creative confidence looks for you, like to you right now at this point in your creative journey. And then visit it again maybe in three months and then in six months and keep those pieces of paper so that you can look back and see how you have grown in your own creative confidence. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
You can find more podcast episodes and today's playlist at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our creative work at our individual websites. So you can learn more about me, Jessica, at sunshineinajar.com and more about April at aprillyjanes.com, A-P-R-I-L-L-E-J-A-N is in November, E-S.com. If you have any hummingbird questions for us to explore, we invite you to let us know at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. Hi, this is Jessica, and I wanted to do a little plug for my business, Creativity Coaching Canada. My goal is to bring creative abundance and prosperity into your life. From individual sessions to group classes to guest experts, there's lots of choices to ignite and sustain your creativity. I'd love to help you meet your goals and help you to shine. Go to creativitycoaching.ca, check it out, and hope to see you.